Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EOS Fireside Chat for October 11th, 2023. I'm Andrew, and I'll be your host today, stepping in for Stefan, whose birthday it is today. So happy birthday, Stefan. we got a, a packed show lined up, including 11 topics, and hopefully we'll hear from some guest speakers who will give us a little more context on some of these topics. Uh, today, we'll be talking about HyphaDAO launch day. We've got EOCVM on DAP Radar. We've got uh, ENF community engagement updates, as well as Alcor Farms, which are coming to EOS. We've also got a Chintai launch event, second of the launch launches we're discussing today. We've got the Masari report, the state of EOS in quarter three. We've got the September BP meeting. We've got uh, Upscale slash Eden and EOS Respect Elections recaps. And then we've also got our Pomelo Rapid Fire pitch sessions later, so I'm sure we got some people looking forward to that. Um, and then a couple updates on NutroSwap and uh, a little overview of our uh, EOS monthly report. So a little bit of housekeeping first. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We're live on Discord, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, so make sure to like and subscribe wherever you are. We love it when you participate in the show, whether it's in the text chat or joining us on the voice stage on Discord. We want to hear your thoughts, comments, and questions about today's topics. And remember to share memes and emoji reactions for more fireside hype. And just going to remind everyone real quick about our pop token giveaways. Go down to the pop bot chat and... Just register your account slash register, type in your EOS account, and you can claim your uh, uh, your POP tokens. And uh, it's October, so you can also take this opportunity to mint your monthly raffle ticket for October. Oops, I meant to do that one. That seems like a more appropriate sound effect. All right, so getting started. Today is Haifa launch day. So earlier today, there was a town hall with Haifa, which uh, was uh, shared with me recently. Um, I'm very excited to watch. I have not gotten a chance yet. I wanted to uh, make it to the onboarding, but um, had other things at the time. But you can check out the uh, the uh, recording of the town hall right here. Just posted in in the chat. Um, and I have to say, I'm very excited about this. Uh, I'll, I'll just run through the features real quick. And then um, I think we've got uh, Joaquin in here to give us a little bit of uh, additional context. So I was looking through all the features. Uh, there's lots of them. Features include profiles for each member of your DAO. You got badges to tag key skills or to give administrator and treasurer powers. Uh, you can have quests that re reward ad hoc contributions or assignments that are for specific people. Uh, we've also got circles, which are kind of non-exclusive teams that can be assigned budgets. And then, in addition, sub-circles within those circles. Uh, and then they've also got roles, which are for more long-term contributions. We've got reward tiers, so members can pick the level of responsibility they want to take on. Uh, you, you can make policies for your DAO, uh, and it's got versioning, 
It's kept up to date, and these policies are proposed by DAO members. In addition, you've got multiple tokens uh, available um, for your DAO, so your DAO can have utility tokens, it can have voting tokens, and uh, those are called voice tokens, um, and also payout tokens, um, which you can use to pay out uh, DAO members in all three tokens. Uh, they've also got a custom wallet and Explorer app. They've got multi-sig transactions. They got a voting system um, where you can select a custom threshold, a custom quorum, and a custom duration. Uh, they've also got customizable visual branding for DAO's pages, um, as well as a few things that are currently uh, in pro uh, uh, sort of in the process. They're in development right now, including the financial dashboard templates, polls, elections, and uh, other tools to reach the broader world of DAOs. Um, an interesting note is that the utility tokens, voting tokens, and payout tokens all provide utility within the DAO and do not come with any profit sharing, which is actually a really beneficial setup for compliance. So with that, maybe uh, if, if uh, Joaquin is here, I'd love to pass it over to him, maybe a uh, ask a few questions Joaquim are you uh are you in the house I am in the house thank you thank you so much Andrew I didn't know we have so many features in the DAO <laughs> right I actually condensed that down a little bit it's <laughs> it's very impressive looking at the uh, uh looking at the list and, and thank uh, you. Thank they're, you they're all very yeah. cool and congratulations by the way I know this has been a long time coming so I'm I, I know I'm excited, and it's not my project, so I'm sure you guys are very excited. Yes, we are. I mean, this was uh, like four and a half, almost five years in the making now. Um, people ask us, you know, we've seen you, what, what is this launch about? We actually did it as an alpha for such a long time. You know, we had invited a few test participants. Today, October 11, was the big day, right? Finally, we are now officially launched, and we're out there Thank you, thank you, Brandon and Lenny. By the way, joining the town hall today. Um, I think we've got a good overview, and uh, please watch the video. You'll see what uh, we've introduced there. Um, yeah, so we're out there. Um, we've worked, you know, late hours last night to get everything up and running. Um, the website is up too. You can see there's a link here posted, um, and you can find a lot more information uh, about. Uh, you know, how to use the DAO, um, the bigger picture of the DAO. Um, we posted some tutorials there so you can get more familiar with what it is. For me, this is really an invitation to a uh, bigger, longer journey, you know, for us together. Um, that was kind of the, the, the idea of uh, the town hall, where we bring the first people together who are launching the DAO. Um, and I'm so grateful we, we completed the EOS uh, launch too. Um, and uh, we can now, you know, go out there. Um, the idea is really to come together and solve these hard problems, right? So it's a new playground that we're opening up. Um, it's DAO, you know, connecting to other DAOs, connecting to other ecosystems, um, building these ecosystems, and then uh, starting these value and knowledge exchanges, right? Starting new ways of coming to agreements, right? Starting new ways of uh, making decisions, starting new ways of uh, rewarding people. It's really, for me, it's a shift now happening, you know, a shift that happens maybe every 100 years. You know, when you see something so traditional ingrained, you know, in the way we see work, we see organizations today shifting to something that's entirely new. And I think we've 
brought the DAO into this new space, right? Into what I call the third generation DAO that uh, helps us all to figure out what is possible in a decentralized world, right? You know, as we're shifting now back, you know, I see really this, this strong shift, you know, way back when, you know, Tim Berners-Lee introduced uh, the World Wide Web as a decentralized space, really, right? For us to come together, you know, build our first HTML pages and we own that stuff, right? Um, then came the commercial web 20 years later, you know, and the big players moved in and the big centralization happened and uh, the big data extraction is happening. And now again, there's 20, interestingly, you know, 20 years later again, it's another big paradigm shift now back to decentralization. Um, and with, you know, web three and the blockchain and all the new technologies coming, I think we're ideally positioned now, you know, for each and all of us really to move into this new space and see what's possible. So thank you. Thank you for the introduction, Andrew. Um, there, there's, uh, again, features that we're releasing today. Um, you can sign up. There's a free plan we have today. Uh, first people who are signing up will give as much hands holding as possible um, with the people we have um, and then uh, get them on the way. Right. Uh, and then from here, it's, it's really the beginning of the journey. Right. Um, you mentioned sort of the preview of the roadmap we have. That's also, you can see that at the end of uh, the presentation there. Um, for us, important is the community layer. For us, it's important sort of the, uh, I'll call it holonic navigation, sort of an ecosystem layer where you see all the different players coming together and working together on solving these problems. Um, and then, and then of course, diving deeper into, into infrastructure, uh, support to scale the solution up to hundreds and then thousands of DAOs. Uh, hopefully, uh, later coming up this year and then next year, then, uh, doing a lot more with, um, uh, new, new ways of, uh, of uh, making decisions, new governance models. And, and also including, you know, um, the milestone four that, um, we are finalizing right now, which is the, uh, upvote election process. So that's coming to the ARS DAO as well. And then we can use that together with the community space feature to run elections inside the DAO. That's a whole new playground, I think. Um, and uh, it opens up, up new possibilities to so do it in a single DAO, but also applying it to other ecosystems, other spaces where this is uh, booting up. So I'm a happy camper today. <laughs> the hard part is over. Now the fun begins and let's see where we all take this. Thank you. That's very cool. I, I know I'm, I'm excited. So I've signed up, I've downloaded the app. I would like to create a DAO with my friends. So what, what do they need to do or learn in order to join? And, and how would I do that? Yeah, that's great. Um, so we see the DAO really as an as a, as a evolutionary process. You know, come together, uh, look around, um, watch some videos, and then see how you want to sort of build you know, the first elements, you know, the first things into the DAO. Uh, and these are questions you can ask yourself um, about um, how do we make decisions, right? Now we're here, you know, we're in this new exciting DAO space. How do we want to uh, decide how things are happening? With the core uh, team that you're building there, with the uh, current iteration, you can decide on your voting system. You know, there's a lot of flexibility built in. I'll give you one example. Haifa has a, a unity and quorum system that we're using of 80-20, meaning 80% um, unity and 20% quorum, 20% people of need, needing to show up for decisions. You can immediately go in there and put your first, say, proposal on there, right? Maybe if it's a, a new kind of organization, maybe it's an agreement that you put up there. Maybe it's a bylaw you created. Um, maybe it's another important document that you want to share. Put it out there. 
Um, you can invite some other people um, and then begin to vote. Um, everybody has a single token, a single voice token, as you pointed out, Andrew. Um, so you can use that voice token to begin sort of the voting process. And if it passes, you know, depending on your settings inside the DAO, then you have the first, you know, source of you know, truth. We see the DAO really as a single source of truth where you put the important documentation, uh, the important proposals, right? the important quests, um, contributions to the DAO. You don't have to put everything into the DAO, right? Don't overload it and think, oh gosh, you have to, you know, now ramp up or change all of the existing systems. You don't. This is just a place where you can now begin to get into sort of a coherent state of your thing that you're building, right? Uh, the agreements you want to get to come to the place. So that, that for me is a good starting point, right? Um, see how you come to the first agreements and then see how you uh, want to handle other members in the DAO, right? Um, are they invited uh, personally, you know, are we opening up the borders um, and then see how um, they join and uh, what capacity too, right? So what what kind of structure you want to put in place? Do you have structure already? So you can create the first circles, right? And then go from there deeper and deeper and deeper. It's a long journey, um, but it's, a, it's an easy journey at the beginning because you can uh, just start right away, right? You obviously you're already in there, so that's great. Um, so uh, uh, you know, take it step by step, right, uh, and then see where they take you next. Also, look at the education section on the website. Uh, we're launching more, um, more uh, services. You know, around uh, how do you uh, set up the DAO? We have more town halls coming, uh, more workshops coming. So participate in those too, and then you'll get to know how this all works. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, I think uh, all, all those are going to be very helpful in terms of all those resources. Um, I, I was looking through the uh, list of features and, and I had a couple questions. Um, one of them is uh, regarding the policies, which seems I, I love the openness of it. Just like any member of the DAO can post uh, a policy. Um, and then uh, that uh, the one piece that I'm not don't quite understand is how does a DAO policy actually, or a DAO policy proposal actually become official policy? I'm assuming the voice tokens are involved in some way. Yes, that's right, Andrew. So it's 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 fairly straightforward. You know, like any other proposal, um, the policy is a special type of proposal, right? Um, so it has a specific format, you know, title, description, and uh, and uh, version of it, and then you put it out there for uh, voting. Right. And as soon as that kicks in, you know, you put it out there, you can put it in staging first, you know, say this is a policy that's a rough draft, please review it. You get some input and then, um, at some point you're ready, right? We're really distinguishing here the sense making step, right? To understand what is actually being proposed there from the decision making step, right? So ideally the decision is just a confirmation that, well, yes, we created this policy. Let's say it's a membership policy here. Um, we're all aligned and it looks good, right? But we haven't really clearly voted it in, right? So you put it out there, people are voting on it. And as soon as it passes, right? So let's say back to the 80-20 quorum, as soon as you have 80% of people supporting it and 20% of people showing up and saying, yep, that's the right thing, that's the policy we need, it would pass, right? Um, and as soon as it passes, it becomes an official document in the DAO. Um, there's a record of this. This is written on-chain, right? Uh, it's ir ir irreversible. You know, it's, um, it's there for as long as the blockchain will exist, hopefully decades from now, right? Um, and uh, you can always refer back to this. 
And one cool thing I wanted to add to that, a policy typically goes through iterations, right? Um, and we have a built-in versioning system, so you can actually go into the next iteration, do the same thing again, you know, so you have now suddenly version two, overriding the previous version on the policy, and then that's becoming the, the, the current document that you're working with. Hope this helps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, my other question was regarding the payout tokens. I was sort of trying to understand the flow for that. Um, and, and how exactly are payout tokens paired one-to-one -one with USD value? Like from, from reading, it looks like it essentially uses the treasury, which is denominated in, in EOS or potentially Talos, um, to pay out to an account uh, with that payout amount in USD converted to EOS by some oracle. Um, that's kind of my assumption. I'm not sure if it is actually that way. <laughs> yes, yeah, let me drill down a little bit on um, how the uh, payout token works. So that's the second token, right? Uh, besides the native utility token that we have, um, that you have out of the box, you can use it on day one, right? Um, we have the payout token and the voice token. So the, the payout token um, is tied to uh, tokens that we have sitting in the treasury. So let's say you have uh, EOS tokens in the treasury, right? Then you can actually say that if I contribute to the DAO, right? Uh, I run a quest, for example, right? And at the completion of the quest, you know, I would request, you know, 100 EOS tokens. Um, that becomes a, a proposal inside the DAO. And as soon as the proposal passes, I automatically get uh, the 100 uh, EOS tokens. Now, um, there's another step in there just to um, uh, ensure that people are not immediately, you know, requesting this payout. Um, because for the health of the DAO, what we did is we ins ins installed a what's called a redemption process. So now I have my 100, I have, I have the, the right to redeem my 100 US tokens, right? So they're sitting in my own wallet now. I own them. And then maybe I don't need them, right? So I can say, let's leave it in the treasury for now. You know, I don't need to pay this out. You know, I've done this many times actually for my wallet um, because I'm earning almost 100% only in HIFA tokens. Um, but I do have also some US tokens there. So I can say tomorrow I really need these 100 US tokens. Then I would launch and kick off the redemption process that goes directly to the multi-sig function we have inside the DAO um, that would redeem this and then actually give me the US tokens. You know, It's a transfer then from the treasury into my wallet. Um, and then I can do whatever I want to do with this, right? Um, and exchange it to fiat currency if I want to. Um, but that's not limited to the OS, right? You can put anything you want into the treasury, like Bitcoin tokens, right? Um, and then and redeem then those those Bitcoin tokens. So that's the flexible payout token that helps people really to say, okay, some of us really need to pay bills, you know, they have to feed the family, and they need to convert it to to fiat currency, right? So that's that's a feature that's built into the DAO. Back to you. Yeah, that's uh, that provides a little bit more clarity. Thank you. Um, that's cool. I didn't uh, just reading the documentation. I didn't realize you could put other stuff in the treasury other than uh, EOS or EOS or Talos. That's that's very cool to see. Um, and I, I one thing I want to highlight is that by uh, avoiding immediately putting the tokens on the market, especially if you're talking about like your own DAOs tokens. Um, by avoiding putting that on the market immediately, you're avoiding the kind of downward price pressure that you would otherwise get on on your tokens. So it's kind of a, a good way to kind of keep people invested in, not like literally invested, but just emotionally invested in the uh, uh, in the DAO. 
That's, that's, that's very cool. Assassin. It is an important point because the, our idea is you, you grow your organization or your project through stages, right? And at the beginning, you want to create some value first. People need to recognize that the product or the service you're building here um, has the value. So we really want to make sure that this is established. Then you also have a core team established around this thing that you're building, right? And then once you get there, then you could take your token and say, okay, Let's let's move that into a secondary market and see what the value is now reflected in the marketplace. If you do that too early, you will run into problems, right? Um, and uh, it might, you know, really um, it cause your your project, you know, get into trouble. But but uh, if if you do it right and you wait and you have something substantial that you're building, um, then I think it's a, it's a great way to go into the next iteration of uh, the thing you're building. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Uh, any anyone in the audience have any questions or or maybe uh, got a chance to attend the town hall today? Want to share your experience or or anything similar? Any any thoughts? Andrew, I, I have a very specific. Uh, practical question. Sure, go for uh, it. Hello, Joaquin. Congratulations! What a day for you guys! Wow, that's a. I think I heard you. You said at one time that you started at two eighteen. Uh, this is quite a road. So congratulations on that. Thank you. My Thank question. You you're very welcome. You're very welcome. My question is a very practical one, uh, because I know. If they're like me, they're at your website right now, and they're trying to figure out how they can create their their new account. And everybody here is uh, is focused on EOS, and I noticed there's a little tab at the bottom that says, want to proceed on EOS, and I definitely want to proceed on EOS. So I click on that, I get to a login page, and it offers me three buttons, create HIFA account, login, and continue as guest. Uh, if I click on the login, uh, then it shows me login with Haifa wallet, which I don't have, or login with Anchor, which I do have. So my question is, a very practical question, if I if I log in with Anchor, is that all I need, or do I need to go to a, a, a step for uh, a a preview? Do I need to create a Haifa account first and separate? That's right. Um, you do need to create the Haifa account so we recognize you in our network, right? Um, but you can use uh, for for that. You can use your existing MIOS uh, account. Um, so we don't need to create something new in this stage. But we need to need to make that connection to to the HiFi network. Um, and once you've done that, then you can continue using your Anchor wallet to sign any transaction. Um, or what I would suggest is uh, then really to download um, the uh, HiFi wallet. Uh, we just released a new version of that. And it makes it quite easy uh, for people, especially for people who are not familiar with, um, you know, the wallet technology and how to do all these keys and stuff. Um, they can just use uh, this uh, this new HiFi wallet that we released um, and then begin to sign any transaction. Um, there are a few steps. So still recognize there are a few steps involved to actually get to that, right? Um, uh, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll have smoothed out the process as much as possible. If you do have any questions, if you get stuck somewhere, you know, just give us uh, a ping. Um, we're on Discord too, as you know. Uh, just uh, uh, go into the community space there and we'll, we'll help you out. 
Fantastic. Thank you, Joaquin. And if this this is just an assumption on my end, but uh, based on the UI, it almost it looks like the Haifa wallet may be using aspects of Anchor. Um, I, I know it does have that same uh, scan QR code. Um, uh, did you guys sort of leverage uh, Anchor's work in that, or did you have to build your own? I think it's a complete rewrite. Um, I think our developers looked at, uh, since that's open source too, looked at the technology and may have uh, looked at some of the ways they, they are signing transactions. But as far as I know, that's a complete rewrite. Um, so we uh, have a complete new code base there. It's open source too. And and the good thing is then from here, we can actually add any other feature that uh, you typically don't see in Anchor. You know, so we want to put next uh, all of the tokens in there so we can do peer-to-peer -peer transactions to the same uh, Haifa wallet uh, with others. Yeah, well, I, I think you... Uh correctly recognize that the UX of the Anchor wallet is is very high quality. Yeah. Um, good call on that. Uh, anything else for uh, Joaquim regarding uh, HaifaDAO before we move on here? Hi, everyone. Hey, who's this? Uh, uh, it's Willow. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, great. I just have a quick question for... Uh... So the question goes like this: How uh, how long does it take for um, how far to uh, process an applicant? Oh, um, that's an easy question. Um, it's immediate. Um, what you can do today is go to the website. Um, Perry mentioned a little bit, you know, to uh, create a, a Haifa account. You know, that's free. You can get that done immediately. Um, once you have that account set up, there's a DAO launcher, right? And the DAO launcher is what we released today. That means that's the way to launch your own DAO. You could choose uh, the free one. So you can have up to, I think, five, five uh, co-founders here and set it up in a matter of minutes, right? And once that's done, you're up and running. You can invite others into the DAO, right? And then go from there. So nothing really holding you back to, to get started. Did I answer your question? Uh, thanks. Yeah, sure. But uh, at the same time, you know, I still uh, see that my uh, name appears on the applicant, and which means I am not yet a member. I think I have to be accepted, correct? Oh, interesting. Maybe you're already a step ahead here. <laughs> that means, um, you know, once somebody else has set up a DAO, um, you can actually apply to become a member. Right. Uh, so if you're not the one who's launching the whole thing, then maybe uh, someone else did, and then you can apply to become a member. Once that happens, inside the DAO, you will see you are an applicant, right? So you show up in the list of members that want to join the DAO, right? Um, and then that's a matter of uh, uh, accepting you into the DAO. That's all. Um, so that's a step that anybody who's already inside the DAO uh, can take. You know, usually this is one of the co-founders there. It uh, has what's called an admin badge. They automatically get the, the admin badge at the beginning, um, and they can admit the other members to, to the DAO. Yeah, this is Lovejoy. I, I went through this process earlier today, and I think, <clears throat> I suspect that what's happening is there's that, I can't remember what the button said, but I couldn't resist clicking it. And so it was a request to join the Haifa DAO, um, which, since it's an eponymous name, just you just want to click it like yeah i want to join oh, I see. 
And then, and then once you click that, then it says your application is, you know, you know, check back or it's pending. So I think it's probably, you're probably going to get a lot of people just joining the HyphaDAO because. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that, Brandon. <laughs> that, that's exactly it. Uh, so, so, um, yes. Um, see the, the HyperDAO, that's kind of, uh, that's, that's the organization that's launching the whole thing, right? Uh, and we're also looking for people, of course, you know, uh, we are looking to expand our organization, um, adding more developers in the future, right? Adding more marketing, consulting staff, um, early days, right? Um, but once we get to that point, um, when we need to expand our own staff, right? Uh, then we're opening up. We're also opening up, of course, once the community space is up and running. So with the community space, it becomes much easier to get closer to a DAO. You know, that includes the Haifa DAO. We'll have our own community space. Um, and uh, you guys, you know, everybody who's opening up his own DAO uh, is able to invite people into the community space. And that can go very big in numbers, right? That can be hundreds, if you want to, thousands of people inside the community space uh, who then can start to participate and interact really with uh, the core team part of, of uh, the DAO. Well, thank you for that question. Now, now I get it. So, is the community space um, is is that sort of like a forum or like social media type thing where you can like chat with people, or is it? Uh, am I misunderstanding that? Good question. Um, so, for us, the community is uh, a space where you can begin to participate. You know, with decisions that are made in the DAO. Um, I mentioned um, the upward election process. You could have delegates, let's say, sitting in this space, um, beginning to decide and put up new proposals for the DAO, right? Um, so it is less, uh, I would say, a social space. For that, you have other tools, right? And we don't want to sort of disrupt what people already have set up, what communities have set up in sort of the social community organizing space, right? Um, they may use Telegram, Discord, other ways of having this conversational space, right? The DAO is much more an agreement space um, where you say, okay, we actually need some funding coming in. How do we distribute the funding? We want to hear from our community about that. Um, or we have community members, you know, wanting to launch a quest and get uh, these tokens as a reward for that. Um, and then the quest needs to go through the proposal stages and then need to be approved and then you can go. I mean, very much what uh, many uh, blockchain spaces, including, you know, EIS is doing with uh, the worker proposal system, um, when new things coming up all the time. Um, but now you have an opportunity to say, what are the important proposals and, uh, what do we do and decide sort of the future direction of the DAO? Um, and it's all out there. You know, you mentioned, you know, the transparency. That's the beauty of this. You know, I can go into any DAO and look at the current proposals that are up and, uh, for, for up and running for voting. And if I'm a member of the DAO, I cannot participate, right? Um, that's the beauty of this new ecosystem that we're building up here together. So it sounds like it's a little more formalized than just like a social media space. That's right. That's right. I would say that's a good way to put it. Nice. Well, thank well, you for that additional oh, content. I was just saying thank you. Go for it. Uh, Joaquim, I hope you don't mind me asking another practical question because I'm sure everybody is is uh, is creating their own accounts as we speak from the EOS community. And I've followed the instructions and I'm on my phone and it's asking me to create my Haifa account. And I have a really important question that uh, that I that I, I think has the potential to create a lot of hassle for me if I do it wrong. So I'm gonna ask it here and, and hope that it'll benefit other people as well. 
it's asking for my name, my account name. And my, my question is, what is the relationship between my HIFA account name and my EOS account name? Should they be the same? Uh, what, 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 would it, what effects would it have if they were different? Um, if they're different, you're creating a new account, right? Um, if using the same name, you can use the same account and it's just attached to, to HiFi, the HiFi network. Um, I would say, you know, if, if you get stuck somewhere, just post it in, into the Discord channel, um, see if people can help you out there. Um, but at a practical level, I would not change uh, the name. Otherwise, you're creating another new account, right? But that's not necessary because um, you can use the existing account for that. But again, I think the, the Discord support uh, will, will help you get that established. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. Awesome. Well, thanks, everyone, for your great questions here. Anything else before we move on? All right, I think we can move on. Any any last thoughts, Joaquin, before we get to our next topic? Oh, thank you so much for this, uh, for the invitation and for all the good conversations we had in the past. You know, we've been working towards this for a long time and now it's here. Happy to support the US and your community and all the members here and see what we can do in the future. So yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely, anytime. Yeah, I, I know I've been excited about Haifa DAO since I first heard of it, which was probably back in 2019. So <laughs> it's, I, wow. I, I think a lot of members of the community have been uh, patiently awaiting this moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me jump off. Thanks, everyone. Uh, see what's going on today. Awesome. Thanks, Joaquin. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Moving on to our next topic which is EOS EVM on DAP radar. So uh, you, everyone here, well, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people here may be familiar with DAP radar. Uh, they index over 14,000 DAPs and more than 33,000 NFT collections across 54 different chains. And they fall into categories like games, NFTs, and DeFi. Uh, you can view uh, metrics like the number of unique active wallets, number of transactions, and all sorts of information like that. Uh, until now, only EOS native dApps could be tracked on the DAP Radar platform. Uh, but this latest integration extends that functionality to EOS EVM. So I'll, I'll share a, uh, a little Twitter thread here. Feel free to pamp that if you'd like, as in uh, like, comment, all that good stuff. Um, and you can also check out the actual DAP Radar EOS EVM page to check out the DAPs that are currently listed there. Um, as a side note, there are many more than that that are deployed, uh, but they have not yet been included. So if you're a builder with projects that are live on the EOS EVM, uh, you should feel free to submit your project through the DAP Radar submission form. And that works for EOS native too. If, uh, you or somebody you know is a project owner and would like to submit their DAP to DAP Radar, you can just use this submission form here. Uh, if you're interested in learning more, 
on October 17th at 3 p.m. UTC, uh, which is 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, if my math is right. Um, there will be an X space or Twitter space uh, with DAP Radar that the ENF is hosting. So shout out to that. It's called Exploring Emerging Web 3 Trends with DAP Radar. So I'll, I'll post the link here. Make sure to set a reminder again for October 17th at 1500 UTC and join the conversation on the latest Web3 trends. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, that's, uh, that's DAP radar right there. I'll, I'll open it up in case anyone's got something to, uh, uh, to add to that. If anyone's a, uh, a fan of DAP radar, you know, I'll add one thing. Um, sure. It's a, a plays app. Um, if you're looking at, if this is the first time you're actually clicking the link, the, the plays app numbers are a little bit messed up because they, I, I think they deployed a new contract and replaced their old contract on DAP Radar, so it's not um, combining them. So I took, I, because the reason I bring this up is I took a screenshot on Monday, and I'm going to share it in the group chat here. To showcase over the last 30 days, they've actually had over 28,000 uh, unique active wallets uh, using their DAP. But if you check it right now, before since they haven't had time to fix it, I just brought it to their attention today. It's only showing like eight or 9,000 over the last 30 days. But the correct numbers, uh, the screenshot that I that I shared in the uh, group chat. So they, they've been killing it. Yeah, I don't know if anyone has gotten the opportunity to download Plays app, but I did, and uh, it's I've uh, I've been playing the solitaire. It's uh, there's something exciting about playing solitaire against somebody else, which is I mean solitaire. It's in the name, usually a solitary game, so it it kind of spices it up a little bit. I don't know if anyone else has gotten opportunity to play, but uh, very uh, well done app in my opinion. Yeah, and there should be so PlayZap is obviously um, one of the most successful new apps that's deployed to EOS, um, and we kind of told their story on previous Firesides how they were at at one point one of the top games on uh, BNB chain, and I, I shared in the tele, the NF Telegram group the stats just in case anyone was curious after I shared the twenty eight thousand unique active uh, wallets. Uh, on EOS, I, I shared the BNB chain numbers, and it's like a hundred. So they've almost exclusively migrated their entire user base to the EOS EVM. So all of those transactions are now happening on the EOS EVM. Um, and I could also show that um, over the last couple of months, there have been several other projects similar to PlayZap, where they kind of bring that like usability and ease of use with the mobile app. Um, one of them that's um, kind of been on the back burner for a little bit, just um, passed some uh, KYC that was pending for a while, and they should be deploying within the next couple of weeks. And it's it's another big one similar to PlayZap that'll bring a, 
a lot of users. They already have an existing user base, and they'll be bringing them to the ESCVM. And when they do, I will probably be bringing them on Fireside, doing some Twitter spaces, introducing to them to all of you. Um, there's some other ones too, but this is the one that's um, just most recently had an update that they uh, progressed to the next step. And it's one that had kind of been uh, simmering in the background for a while, let's say. That's great. And uh, what's what was the name of that one again? Um, I'm, I'm, I didn't say the name. Oh, okay. I'm not going to. <laughs> oh, I but see. It, it's just one that's similar to PlayZap, where it's like a fun game. It, it's a mobile app. They abstract uh, the crypto stuff to make it super easy to onboard, and they have an existing uh, user base. So they're already on that radar, just not for ESCVM, and they'll be um, deploying soon. And then obviously bringing a big chunk of their user base over. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know when plays app updated, but as a user, I didn't notice anything. They have also, they've uh, much in the same way that Upland does, they've sort of abstracted that whole blockchain layer. So it's just running in the background. And as a user, you basically don't need to touch it unless you're transferring actual assets between wallets. Thank you for that additional context. Oh. And uh, uh, ES Labs has been active too, uh, just on the note of more applications, which is something everyone wants to see. Um, they shared in the EOS Labs Telegram group, both the Chinese and the English one, uh, they shared at least 15 decks so that, of, of projects that are kind of looking to deploy an EOS. That doesn't mean any terms have been agreed upon yet, but just um, they've been pretty good with giving updates recently on some of their deal flow to get some sneak peeks into some of the potential uh, projects that we could see over the coming months. But just keep in mind that the decks that they shared, like no capital has been deployed, no agreements have been made as far as I'm aware. Um, but there is deal flow like outside of those. So that's continuing also. So that's why this DAP radar is pretty important because otherwise it's not, even if the applications were deployed, like PlayZap was deployed for a couple of weeks uh, before uh, the DAP radar integration was made public. So it was like really hard to share the excitement of how many daily active users they were accumulating. I was sharing numbers in the Telegram group, like just via text. And it was killing me not being able to like mention that the DAP radar integration was going to be happening because only I had access to the numbers, but they weren't like public, which is why uh, DAP radar is so cool because it's basically taking all of the data that's already happening on chain, but making it like super accessible and digestible uh, to the community. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, have a pastime of visiting DAP radar and and comparing all of the chains. You notice a lot of antelope chains in there. I think probably something to do with the performance. Oh, shout out antelope developers for keeping blockchain transactions moving for everyone. Awesome. Well, thank you, Zach. I appreciate you hopping in with a little bit of a, a little bit of extra information there. Uh, anyone else have any thoughts on? Uh, on this this integration with DAP Radar.
All right. I think we can move on to our next topic, uh, which uh, is a couple updates on uh, ENF community engagement. Um, so uh, Liam may be in here. I may ask you to hop hop on in just a moment. Um, yeah. But uh, as, as I understand, you're going to um, tell us about some changes to the fireside chat schedule, um, as well as, I don't know, You've uh, <laughs> you got the information. Yeah, that's pretty much the biggest one to start. Um, uh, so yeah, we're doing a number of changes right now to um, essentially increase the effectiveness of the content that we push out through the Marcom department. Um, so as Marcom, right, there are two, I guess, primary purposes if we want to be fairly reductionist and boil it down though, of the content that we create. Part of it is communicating things to the community and making sure that you guys are in the loop on everything that we're working on. And that, that is a two-way communication street that there, we're not just telling you what's going on, but we're also building feedback from you guys and listening to you guys um, to understand how we can improve what we're doing and, um, you know, bring that back to everyone working within the ENF. But the other side of it, the more part of Marcom is marketing as well. And so um, we also want to be... Um, constantly reassessing our content and increasing the effectiveness of it so that we can increase the reach of it and make it more effective from a marketing standpoint to bring people into our ecosystem to then become part of the community um you know where that comms part of content is, is targeted towards so um with that um and with also um the sort of current state of um uh, you know, markets and the resources that we have to sort of uh, allocate towards each initiative that we push out there um we are uh, you know, reassessing and restructuring how we approach Fireside. Um, that is not to say that the uh, forum that is Fireside, which is this wonderful, um, uh, you know, community conversation that we have between people in the ENF and the community is going away. Um, uh, currently, we are running our office hours on Thursdays, and that is an hour-long uh, slot at 11 Eastern. Uh, I'll have to double check what the UTC time is on that. I'll try to find that while I'm chatting. Um, but on Thursdays, uh, where uh, there are people from the ENF in a voice chat to uh, connect with the community and um, uh, field, uh, you know, comments, questions, things like that, or just hang out and chat. And so those office hours are going to continue every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, um, which in PT, I should know this off by heart, but I do it's not. 8 a.m. PT. 8 a.m. PT, there you go. So, um, and plus seven, 1500. I think that means it's 3 p.m. UTC. Perfect. Thank you for clarifying that. And then on the fireside side of things, um, uh, within this current format, we will be, um, migrating the format to a uh, more production heavy uh, approach, I guess, something that will uh, still serve the purpose of updating the community on all of the things that are going on across the ecosystem, but in uh, a lot more of an intentional and hopefully effective uh, format and, and way. Um, so lots of stuff still happening in Discord as well, um, but we are going to be taking a brief pause on the fireside uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, I believe next week we will still have a fireside, um, but then following that we will take a break uh, for uh, probably two to three weeks um, pending a potential uh, production up level of what fireside is. Um, after that, it, um, it might even have a new name. Um, open to ideas if people have if people want to jump in my DMs and learn more about sort of the direction of things and help give some ideas on, on how we present this uh, again people who are more outside our community and get them up to date on everything 
Um, but we will have more details on that as we go. I've seen here people saying, don't change the name. And um, I'm all for that. If a lot of people say we love the name, <laughs> we can do first keep the name as well. Um, but uh, that's sort of the TLDR on that. So Fireside will be paused for a couple of weeks. Uh, next week, we are still on uh, on um, track to, to run this event as usual. Um, uh, office hours, as always, will be going every Thursday. Um, and then uh, we will come back with uh, what I hope will be a very exciting, effective uh, show for you guys uh, that will happen on a monthly rolling basis in tandem with um, uh, now our Twitter spaces, our office hours, and these um, uh, more high-level uh, overviews of our entire community. Um, you'll also see a lot of other changes coming to our content in the next couple of months. Again, this is just to make things more effective uh, for their uh, intents and purposes. So, um, you know, how we are reporting back to the community on the things that are going on behind the scenes and how we are updating uh, new, uh, you know, stakeholders, developers, people like that on um, uh, why they should become a part of our community and, and get involved in it. So uh, keep your eyes out for all of that. I'm really excited about it. It's uh, I think it's going to be uh, pretty cool as this stuff rolls out. So I'm curious. Uh, maybe you haven't figured out the details of this yet, but uh, is are you expecting that uh, this let's let's still call it the fireside chat because that seems to be so <laughs> far the uh, <laughs> the preference. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, um, all of the gifts. Is is the fireside chat? Is that going to be on Discord or uh, like YouTube, or are you sort of still figuring that part out? I'd say we're still figuring that part of it out. Um, and uh, there's still like some internal conversations that have to happen around that. Um, I will say, I think it's okay to say that we are still looking at other platforms. Um, and that is not to say that we are moving away from Discord as a channel that we support, but that we now have a lot of other initiatives that are happening in Discord. And so um, the idea of running these um, you know, high-level updates and everything that's going on in the community and uh, across the ecosystem and sort of restructuring things from a standpoint of how can we get things further out the funnel and push people into our Discord community. Um, yeah, we're absolutely looking at some other platforms, potentially YouTube, things like that. And so um, also looking at how we migrate things to maybe more of a, a video format as well. Um, and so uh, this is all kind of still up in the air and in those early planning stages, but the uh, taking a brief break uh, will allow us to, um, you know, figure that sort of stuff out. And then when we do come back, it will most likely be on a monthly cadence that we do really run these really big high-level check-ins. Again, there'll be the weekly check-ins, very much kind of just like what this format is now, but just happening in our office hours as a forum for that. Um, and uh, so doing that on a monthly cadence will allow us to put a lot more production value behind uh, these events and make them a lot more epic if, if all goes well. Um, I'll jump in too. So as far as like testing the waters of some other platforms, so... In addition to the Thursday office hours in Discord uh, that will continue, uh, Nathan James is hosting a developer uh, session in the Antelope Developers Telegram group uh, to see how that works. That'll be on this upcoming Tuesday. Um, I haven't touched base with Nathan uh, today to know if that's the, the date will always be, but he's more or less just, um, since that's where the developers uh, really hang out, they're not so much having their conversations in Discord, that there will be an office hour for developers uh, this upcoming Tuesday in the Antelope uh, Developers uh, Telegram group. Yeah, well, that, that definitely was the intention. Um, we've been running these in Zoom historically, but we wanted to make sure that everybody who 
is already in that developer community had access to that uh, that call and it came we came to the understanding that perhaps a lot of people don't even have Zoom installed and just wanted to make sure that we are doing our best to be on the platform and meet developers where they're at instead of trying to bring people to us. Yep, and then uh, just to jump in on one more thing that uh, Liam mentioned, just for some extra color. Um, one of the limitations of Discord is when we have more than 30 people in here, which is pretty much every week for the fireside, um, it doesn't allow video. So as Liam mentioned, like we do want to incorporate video because like you've probably seen, like we do the YouTube shorts and the fireside clips. Um, sometimes we ramp up and do more depending on the news, but it's just much more engaging, like short clips, video, like Instagram style, um, TikTok style videos. You can't really do them on these audio only conversations. So it's, it's, that's part of it also is just we're having these conversations anyway. They're just much more engaging uh, with video, knowing that most people on the call are going to keep their videos off. But the people that speak the most uh, will likely be comfortable uh, keeping them on. And then we can generate more content from uh, the, the time being spent on these calls. Help yeah, further yeah. I think one more thing that this sort of all speaks to, um, uh, because you know, Fireside used to be, um, and this was again before my time, but even when I started about a little over a year ago, um, Fireside was one of our primary, if not our only, really regular reoccurring event that we had in the ecosystem. Now we run lots of events, the developer roundtable stuff, right? The Twitter spaces, webinars, um, and obviously still the Fireside office hours. Um, and, and all of that sort of stuff. So all this, I think, just really speaks to uh, like the growth that we've seen as an ecosystem and the like breadth of topics that we have to cover and um, how we can uh, uh, ensure that we're curating that content in a way that it's most effective to the audience, to the content that's being presented and that sort of uh, thing as well. Um, uh, so, yeah. One thing maybe I'll add is... Uh something that I think is a, a really powerful uh, thing that we have access to in this fireside chat, which is uh, bringing on project owners and being able to ask them more specific questions about their projects and that kind of thing. So um, I would just like to, uh, personally, I would advocate for uh, still being able to have some sort of forum like that, whether it's in the context of the fireside chat, or if that's going to be more targeted towards just sharing news versus uh I don't know, maybe in the office hours, bring people in or something like that. But I just wanted to uh, advocate for that specific um, sort of benefit I see of the fireside chat. I'm just throwing that yeah, out there. For sure. I, I definitely hear that as well. And I don't think we want to um, shy away from uh, like our role uh, within the ENF is elevating projects and the news that is coming through projects within our ecosystem. So um, they will definitely, within the new sort of format, fireside uh be a portion of it that is dedicated to um you know bringing on a project or projects to talk about what is going on um in addition to that too a new thing we've ramped up probably within about it's maybe only been a month maybe a month and a half that we've been doing it consistently on a weekly basis but our um weekly panels on twitter spaces as well um that are highlighting several projects at a time uh, around a specific um specific industry topic that uh, that can help bring in again um, be higher up the funnel, uh, elevate these projects in a way that uh, we're bringing in audiences that are outside of our ecosystem as well. Um, and so those will also 
um, continue to be a platform for that. And um, even though those topics that we're, we're sort of coordinating these events around are fairly broad, for example, we did, a, did an event on, on DAOs uh, about a week ago um, that was talking about DAO adoption. And we brought in um, not only um, Haifa, uh, but we also brought in the upscale community. We brought in DreamDAO. Um, and uh, there might have been one other DAO that was also involved there. Um, DreamDAO is actually a DAO from outside of our ecosystem. So that was cool to start to build some ties there. Um, but we're still timing these events. Um, uh, to some extent around news that these projects are happening. So I'm um, trying to run a DAO event around the Haifa DAO milestones and elevate them in that regard. Uh, there will also be, um, in addition to Fireside, uh, again, more avenues as we continue to iterate that we're thinking about of how can we make sure that um, uh, that uh, the news that is going on around within the community that's not just coming out of the NF but coming out of the projects and the people in the, within the, the ecosystem uh, can be elevated to our audience. Uh, we've talked about things like a community calendar, um, you know, forward-looking uh, updates on the community events or, you know, retrospective uh, updates on, on the stuff that's happening, uh, coming out of the community. So um, I'm all in favor of making sure that we don't lose momentum behind uh, elevating the projects um, uh, within our ecosystem and the awesome work that's being done there. Um, I think one other thing also to note here is, um, again, going back to the purpose, the Splitting, splitting apart the MAR and the COM. Um, on the COM side of things, when we're creating this content, it is a lot more reactive in nature. It's um, looking at the stuff that's happening within the ecosystem, happening to the protocol engineers, happening within organization, and communicating that forward. On the marketing side of things, we want to make sure that our content is becoming uh, more proactive, that we're taking a thought leadership standpoint and not reacting to the trends that are happening in the industry in real time, but seeing the trends that are coming up and thinking about how we can create content that positions us within those conversations um, based on all the innovation that's happening across the ecosystem. So that's another big part of this intent of being more, um, you know, uh, as we sort of shift to the evolve this to its next stage and make it more production heavy is um, making sure that the EOS network and the leaders within uh, the ecosystem are seen as thought leaders, not just within EOS, but also within within the industry and that we're positioning ourselves within those topics. So um, that'll be part of a broader strategy that's um, you know, still also gradually being worked out, but plays into this, um, you know, uh, uh, up leveling, I'm going to call it, of what, what Fireside is. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that um, the uh the reduction in the number of fireside chats um is not just a reduction in the number of fireside chat it chats it's that plus a bunch of additional um sort of avenues so in it's sort of like broadening the horizon instead of there being like one big event every single week it's like there's one big event every month and then got sort of each week there's a different event it kind of spices it up a little bit i like it yeah, we want it to look like a party, right? So that whenever someone comes into our ecosystem or is peering through the window of our ecosystem, maybe they get a little FOMO because of all the different events that are going on and want to come in and start start engaging. Yeah, and yeah. with each of those kind of targeted uh, Twitter spaces events, you're bringing people, you're sort of reaching out to these people to see, hey, would you like to, are you interested in this thing? All right, come check it out. Um, it sounded like Zach, you're about to say something. Yeah, just the, the, it. This would have been a different conversation if it was, you know, like early 2022 when the fireside chat was the only weekly event going on. Like we've already put systems in place for the uh, office hours, the Twitter spaces, the webinars, the roundtables. So it, it, it's really not 
Um, it, it's different than it would have been in 2020, early 2022 when we first started the fireside chats. Um, so everything you get from the fireside chats, you'd still get like from the monthly fireside chat plus like all of these other uh, more uh, focused events, more purposeful other events. Um, and I just wanted to take the opportunity before we move on as a reminder, anyone can host an event in the Discord. So it's not exclusive to the fireside chats. There have been other uh, projects and people who have leveraged uh, the Discord server to host their own either voice or video events. But video events are limited to uh, 30 people, but some events are smaller like that, so it's okay. But I did just want to throw that out there that if people want to leverage the platform, there, there are ways to do so still. That's great. And I'm, I, I'm really glad that there's um, all, all that other content and, and all those other touch points because uh, I do uh, like my personal experience with the fireside chat is I was in the background of the EOS community, just watching, listening. I wasn't even participating in the telegram chats, um, but I uh, joined in on a fireside chat and that's actually how I, I got my job with EOS nation. So um it's uh, it's a really important touch point, or rather, it is really important to have touch points, and so so that's why I'm glad to hear that um, now. Not only do we have the fireside chat, but we've also got the um, uh, these other Discord events, like the uh, office hours and the Twitter Spaces events, and yeah, it's it seems like it's not a reduction in number of events; it's a reduction in the number of a specific event. <laughs> so I'll, I'll encourage also, everyone on this fireside yeah. chat to join those other ones. And, and also taking a, a little bit of a, a, a breather to kind of re relaunch and reload. Uh, that's why we'll be taking a couple of weeks off instead of put, just putting something else in this time slot right away. It's more or less taking advantage of the extra time that was previously spent like being on this call. And then also factoring in the time spent preparing for these calls and the production behind the calls. There's a lot of people involved. There are a lot of really talented people that uh, are pretty much the lifeblood of this ecosystem. Yeah, I, I will say um, I wouldn't have minded if you went down to once a month fireside chats before I I was tasked with hosting. But that's a side note. <laughs> is that the uh, the expected cadence? Is sort of monthly? Most likely. Yeah, we're still figuring that out. Um, uh, part of this is actually just um, re understanding, like like figuring out how we can up-level the production of it. I'm excited to sort of roll out some of those ideas and for you guys to see that. Um, it does not mean that Fireside won't at some point in the future ramp up to a bi-weekly or then even weekly cadence if we find that we can sort of maintain that. Um, but in the short term, it'll be it'll be monthly. Um, but playing into a um, larger, I guess, rhythm of the content that we are putting out there that we're sort of looking at. Um, and so... Uh, following things uh, like um, like our monthly newsletter coming out shortly after there's email blasts around that, or um, uh, you know where we situate uh, larger pieces of news in our monthly cadence, so that we we can make sure that we're we're running these of the fireside um, the most effective effective point in the month from like a like a hype standpoint, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, another thing. It, it, Sorry, go for it. No, just one of the like really convenient things and one of the purposes behind the fireside chat when we first started as on a weekly basis was 
it was something that was already on everyone's calendar. So like anytime something would come up or there'd be an announcement or a fire, like there would always be the fireside chat there. So we would like strategically like it would break news on a on a Tuesday or a Wednesday morning and then knowing that the fireside chat was happening. So anytime there is like a big event or big news and it's like an off week of a fireside chat, you could assume that there will be some other format uh, where things will be like hyper communicated, whether it be a Twitter space or like a, a live stream on YouTube. Um, there will be other means of like providing more detail than what than what might be in like a press release or whatnot for, for like big news or events. Or we'll time it also strategically around when the monthly fireside is coming up. That that's a possibility too. One suggestion I have for uh, leveling up the production quality would be a fireplace. Would be a nice addition to the fireside chat. <laughs> it is almost winter for uh, us yeah. northern hemisphere folk. Send all of the attendees their own you know, electric fireplaces to plug in while they sit and listen to the fireside. Um, that's, that, that would be my goal, probably in the next bull market. I'm surprised we never had a uh, sound effect for crackling fire. Oh, man. I have, I have like 1,400 sound effects on here. They're mostly drums, but there might be a crackling fire in here. Well, next week. We did. We I'll did. For we next did. I instigated that at one point, and and Steph brought it in, but I don't know whatever happened to it. I think it got lost somewhere. There we oh. go. Right now we can imagine and just stare into the, the flames. Crackle, crackle, crackle. Nice. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I'll have to find a, a fireplace sound. I'll, I'll add it to my machine. I've still got one one pad unused. So this is my little kick drum pad here. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, that should 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 be good. I think I think just it's not quite a fireside chat without a fire, you know. But that we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I'll load I'll load up the fire uh, the crackling fire sound and uh, we'll get it started next week. See if it sets the vibe properly. All right. Um, anything else? Any questions from the community? Any uh, recommendations on how to level up the video? Uh, all right. I, I did hear something. Was someone trying to speak there? All right. Well, in that case, I think we can move on to our next topic here, uh, which is regarding Alcor Farms or Alcor Farm. I'm not sure which one it is. Kind of sounds like a futuristic Knott's Berry Farm, but it's not. Uh, Alcor Farm is a platform where you can add liquidity and then harvest a portion of the total reward um, of the liquidity that, that you've added um, for a set period of time, say 30 days or 90 days. Uh, the farm allows you to set very specific parameters for your transactions, like you can uh, set your slippage tolerance, the uh, minimum and maximum prices that you want um, your tokens locked in for, um, as well as you can uh, 
choose specific fee tiers, um, which helps adapt to tokens with really low or really high liquidity. Um, if if you're interested in checking it out, um, oh, I thought I had the link saved here. Let me find the link real quick. Uh, but uh, there is already a farm on uh, or for Alien Worlds. Um, so it looks like uh, they've got a few WAX tokens available um, and we'll be onboarding EOS tokens as well. One uh, interesting side note is that one of the tokens uh, listed here has a maximum supply of one. So a uh, little fun fact there. <clears throat> What's the precision? I think it's eight digits of precision, if I wow. remember correctly. We could all fight over that one. It's quite yeah. a lot. It's it's an interesting idea, although it kind of it's a little gimmicky, but whatever. That's uh, gimmicky is uh, often the secret to success in this industry, <laughs> as the case may be. So I, I don't know if we've got anyone who's gotten a chance to mess around with that. Um, I uh, don't have any of these. So it's like a two-sided liquidity pool. You want to put in both tokens, but uh, I only have the wax token. I don't have the other tokens. I haven't gotten a chance to try it out yet, but if anyone has, you're welcome to share. All right, moving on. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, so uh, before we get to our next topic, I just want to remind everybody of uh, the POP token giveaway. Make sure to go to the POP bot chat and claim your POP tokens, which I have already done. I was a little late for my favorite number, but that's all right. All right. Moving on, our next topic is the Chintai launch event. Um, so uh, Chintai, which is the fully compliant platform for real-world assets, is hosting a live in-person launch event in Singapore tomorrow. And that's on the 12th of October at 9.30 a.m. Singapore time. So I don't know how many people here are in Singapore. It's pretty late in Singapore, so... Uh, I think it's somewhere around 3 a.m. <laughs> so uh, I would be surprised, but definitely possible. And uh, it looks like there may still be time if you want to get a last-minute plane ticket to Singapore so you can attend. And so uh, you've got, what is it? Looks like, oh, no, I, I don't want to do the math. You, you've got a number of hours left, probably approximately the duration of the plane flight to Singapore. So... <laughs> a good opportunity there. Uh, for a little bit of background, the idea of tokenizing real-world assets is really starting to catch on. Uh, Coindesk has even reported it as a trillion-dollar opportunity. And I, I can share that article, actually. Um, some good, good quotes from there. Uh, and this is not just people in crypto. This is people kind of all over um, the the financial industry. Uh, a thesis increasingly shared within crypto and traditional finance is that the tokenization of real-world assets, aka RWAs, 
uh, will form the backbone of the next bull run and unlock the transfer of trillions of dollars of value into crypto. Um, and I think this is a good way to put it. Uh, RW real, real world asset tokenization will unlock a new golden age in blockchain and traditional finance. Uh, real world assets use a blockchain to tokenize assets that actually uh, are real things in the real world. This includes commodities, fine art, real estate, and uh, financial instruments like stocks and bonds. And uh, this this uh, professor, the uh, uh, blockchain academic uh, named Jason Potts, I think, put it well. He said, now that we can tokenize all the world's physical products and services into a common interoperable format, list them within a single public ledger, and enable market transactions with low costs of trust, which are governed by rules encoded within and enforced by the underlying substrate, what then? Then, computable capital enables programmable commerce, but more than that, it enables what we might call, and I love this phrase, a Turing complete economy, which uh, is something that I've been uh, imagining as the eventual kind of end game crypto. Um, and so I'm excited to see it coming to Chintai, and very excited that Chintai has got, got their platform. Uh, and they're just about to launch, as in T minus less than 24 hours. So shout out Chintai. Oh, to do that one. There we go. Uh, anyone have anything to add or some questions? Yeah, I'll add some context. Um, if you guys can sure. hear me okay. So yeah. the... Is this Zach? Yeah, this is Zach Butler, not Zach Gall. Other Zach, yeah. Um, so this actually, this idea is actually not new, and I'm really grateful and excited to see that it's finally getting some attention. So this idea has been around since at least 2013, um, which I kind of touched on last week when we were talking about new names for NFTs or whatever week that was. But this idea has been around since at least 2013 with colored tokens or tainted tokens um, on Bitcoin where they tie an asset to an unspent transaction output. And then the first asset sold on the blockchain, uh, like big asset, as far as I know, um, was in 2015 or so. And that was a house in Canada, a house and land. So the deed was put into a trust. And then they, uh, the trust was defined as the owner, like the person holding a token. And then that's how they sold the house. And so that was kind of interesting. And then that's been done on Ethereum as well. Um, so like this kind of circles back to our conversation about what should we call NFTs now that NFTs have bad names because like selling blurry JPEGs, I've always thought was kind of dumb. Not gonna, not gonna lie. Thought about buying a, a zombie Pepe once or twice, but, um, selling, you know, JPEGs from Google images, kind of dumb, but selling, like putting the deed of a house, putting the title of a car, boat, RV, all that kind of stuff on chain. That's always been the value proposition of NFTs, if you want to use that term, or colored tokens or tainted tokens, whatever you want to call them. So, I mean, I'm excited that people are finally realizing this, but um, there's definitely a long history to this practice. 
I'm curious, what do you see as the primary benefit of, for example, having your house deed on the blockchain? Because um, as, as I'm imagining it, it, it's, it seemed like it would be cool I'd, as a fan of blockchain. I'd be like, that's cool. But uh, I mean, the government's not going to recognize it. They recognize their own, whatever's in their own ledgers, not a distributed ledger, you know? Uh, I can speak to that. Well, go ahead. Uh, sure. Okay, I'll go. So fair criticism. I think that uh, the governments do recognize it. So there, there have been very few jurisdictions where this has actually gone to court. But in the ones where this has gone to court, like New York, the state of New York in the United States is an example. They actually have recognized uh, tokenized ownership as legitimate on a blockchain um, with probably very narrow and specific language. But to your question about like the value proposition, uh, the honest answer is I don't know. So I hope the other person speaking up has a better answer because my only really good answer is uh, lowered friction and maybe lowered risk. So like, for example, let's say I've got a, a car and I take out a, a loan against my title. So now I've got a lien on the title. Um, there's a lot of cases where people buy cars or, or even houses and they don't know that there's a lien against the deed or the title. That would not be, ever be possible on a blockchain. You could look that up instantly. Um, the other value proposition is like closing real estate. Um, like my friend paid 12 grand in closing costs for his house. And um, I, I, that's absurd. I've never really bought or sold a house. So that's hard to imagine for someone just pushing a little bit of paper. But it cuts all that out too. Um, you know, if you want to take loans or or, or escrow with, with these titles and deeds that just lowers the friction to all that. It makes it completely transparent. So you could never really end up in a situation where you buy a car or a house and you find out there's a lien on it. That's a good point. The availability of the data is much higher with uh, distributed ledgers than, you know, I mean, you could go down to your county clerk's office and ask them to dig through their filing cabinet for uh, the deed to a house or something like that, but, but much easier to just look it up on a block explorer. I'll add something after Perry, if Perry wants to go. Thanks, Brandon. Uh, yeah, what uh, what I can add is what has been shared on the publicly. I, 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 I'm going to hold off on, on the name of the company because I... I'm going to just, out of respect of uh, the Shintai team, but I'm going to describe it instead. Uh, one of their clients is a real estate company, and they're going to be digitizing uh, real estate. And what that means is putting it on the blockchain and, and uh, dividing the ownership into individual tokens. And so what does that, what does that mean for, uh, for the world? It, what it means is people... Uh, of the younger generations, young, probably younger than myself, uh, but of the younger generations who are really frustrated in, in their inability to purchase homes uh, because of inflation uh, and so on, they'll be able to benefit from real estate ownership by port being able to, to purchase individual portions of, of real estate instead of the entire Entire real estate, and and they'll be able to to benefit from the stability of that, or the or the increase in in uh, in, in valuations with regard to that, which is very different. Real estate right now is a massive, massive uh, 
uh, asset in the world that is completely illiquid, uh, well, not totally, but practically very Ill illiquid. And the advent of tokenization in real estate itself, just a massive thing. And that's just one, that's just one portion of Chintai's business. That's not talking about, about carbon credits or, or tokenization of bond debt. I can say that I have been closely monitoring Shintai uh, for years now, and this is something much larger than what most people believe, and and I, I think it's uh, it's something incredible. It's a it's a it's a huge change uh, that they are that they are at the very forefront of. So I encourage people to look closely at what they're doing, and uh, I'm excited for the team. They've been working hard, and uh, it's awesome. It's just awesome. I'm excited about it right now. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's great. And that's a great point about um, that tokenized real estate, for example, is kind of natively, um, I don't know if there's a word, fractionalizable. Um, but you can, you can take something that is, uh, well, that is otherwise sort of non-fungible, if you will, uh, <laughs> at, at risk of, of drawing comparisons to JPEGs. Um, but it's uh, by tokenizing it, you are adding fungibility, um, being able to fractionalize it. And in addition, as you mentioned, you've also got um, native liquidity uh, benefits. So a house you can't sell, but maybe a token that represents a portion uh, proportional ownership of a house that would be much easier to sell that's a that's a good point Barry. thank you uh brandon do you want to add something to that or do you yeah I think, yeah i think perry touched on a lot of good points there um <clears throat> i think it's it's big in the sense that markets for this just don't exist yet and and so you you can look at the individual instance of tokenized real world assets and say we've always had this or this has been around for a long time but that's kind of uh maybe missing the bigger picture which is that um it's not been you know not only has it not been widely available there's been no market places for it anywhere in existence so while you may be able to to do that it's functionally useless but if you have a marketplace or a number of marketplaces that are able to, uh, you know, create um, where different, uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to call like the participants in these markets. Cause right. Like <clears throat> it's also like very highly regulated uh, territory as well, which something to bear in mind. Um, so depending on which market these, are launching in with with Shintai, of course, it's Singapore, and I know they're exploring other um, other jurisdictions as well. But yeah, you get into interesting situations where you could, you know, you could trade fractionalized um, assets against each other. You could like short, like I know I did an interview with uh, Philip at one point, and they were talking about like trading, for instance real estate in one you know uh one market against real estate in another market and betting on like the price differential like the different change of you know value relative to those two markets so it's like 
it creates all sorts of weird, I think, um, weird markets that we can't even probably imagine right now. Um, and uh, I was mentioning this earlier today too. I mean, there was a project a, a while back that was talking about tokenizing uh, like waste, for instance. So it's like there's just a ton of trash and pollution that goes into the dump every year. And a lot of it gets sorted, but there's no good way to track it or to assign value for it. And then even if it's tracked and has a value assigned to it, nobody knows um, that it's available. There's no market for it. There's no way to assign. um, There's no way for the market to reach like some sort of value for it. But it's like a, a platform like what Shintai is building uh, or any other platform that can handle that sort of thing kind of creates like a new discovery mechanism, I think, for all sorts of um, value streams, if you will, to emerge um, because it reduces the the cost and it creates an opportunity for lots of small players to provide like individual um, inputs, I guess, you know, uh yeah so I, I just kind of expect like we haven't seen kind of like the fraction of what this is going to do and i'm sure there's like some horrible like dystopian dark angle to all this too like we'll have to confront that as well but um but also i see it just increasing access to markets to well, like a ton of people that haven't traditionally been able to access these sorts of things and haven't had the kind of capital to enter into a lot of these realms so that's kind of cool too yeah and i'd like to touch oh go ahead oh i i just wanted to add one one side benefit of that is uh in order to have an efficient market you need uh lots of players with lots of information and mm-hmm. um a lot of these um assets uh basically you you don't have good information like if you're trying to sell your house you kind of look on zillow maybe but you, you don't really know what to list it for um because a house as we were discussing before is pretty illiquid and it's non-fungible and so it's not as easy to have price discovery as you would have mm-hmm. um, with something that was uh, more liquid and more fungible and and this sort of opens that possibility up um but uh yeah uh, Perry, you were going to say something? Yeah, I just want to add uh, that Shintai has a unique design, which won't be launched tomorrow, but uh, half of it will be launched tomorrow for for at least one client, as I understand. But uh, that's for the, uh, the real-world assets uh, tomorrow. Those are, those are the regulated... Uh, uh, well, let's, say, let's call them the highly regulated ones out of Singapore, the ones that, are, that we're talking about real estate and 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 bond debt and uh, n- not tomorrow but uh, but that side is is referred to they, they they call that the Shintai Singapore the unique design is that they have another side like another sphere you could think of it as two spheres of the brain or any two spheres uh, the other side is what we normally would think as a regular as a regular uh, crypto uh, uh, exchange where it, ha- it will have Bitcoin and Ethereum and 
And it won't have all the coins, but it'll have the top ones. And these two are going to are going to uh, uh, share liquidity pools. And the token that is re that is will be required draw, uh, to participate in these in both of these spheres and both of these these ecosystems, let's call them, is a single coin, which is their Chex token. That's the CHEX token, and it's a unique design that that where that 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 token is the lifeblood, so to speak, of a regulated market. And also a, we can't call it an an unregulated market because they do have a license out of uh, the, uh, I believe it's the Bahama Virgin Islands. Uh, so, but it's less let's it's less regulated, and so they're bringing together two worlds, highly the highly regulated world, which has traditionally been in traditional finance, and it's, they're now tokenizing the traditional assets. And then this other world that we've all been playing with in, in crypto. So they're bringing them together in one place. And that is very unique. And, uh, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm very happy that, uh, that I've been following along with, with Chintai for this long, for that reason. <clears throat> oh, one other quick point I want to make is that an interesting area that I think has not been explored a lot. People have talked about it, but there, there's just been no mechanism to really do it effectively. Um, that's not obstructed by all sorts of legal proceedings and stuff. When and that's um, insurance. Uh, a lot of people talked about disrupting the insurance industry and this and that, um, but really, like any enterprise where you need uh, some form of insurance, um, you can. Theoretically, now have fractionalized surety bonds. So, if you have like a joint venture of some kind and you need to insure, you could theoretically tokenize the insurance bonds essentially that your company needs to operate in order to protect itself against loss. Um, so, you create like a whole separate market for your own enterprise theoretically and let that be owned and tradable. Um, so if you're taking all the, you know, and then you could have like third party auditors, like looking at your, um, uh, your operations to see that you're taking all the, you know, proper security measures or protecting, you know, if you have physical assets that need protecting or you know, servers or whatever it is that you're taking all the necessary requirements and that could factor into like the, how risky you're seen as as and, and how much like that market is influenced by um uh yeah it'd be like real like live price discovery of risk essentially um and tradable so as a company becomes more problematic people would be incentivized to well yeah i mean you can do the math just just kind of wanted to throw that out there as like and another weird idea that people have been talking about for a long time and i don't think we've had the tools to play around with huh that's a that's a cool idea i i'm not sure i can quite wrap my head around it because i'm not real uh familiar with the insurance industry but <laughs> I, I have a friend who works in the health insurance industry so might want to pick her brain that's cool though it's a cool uh application of this sort of real world assets 
Um, sounds like it's more theoretical than an actual thing that anyone's doing right now. But well, that's why we just gotta wait. Say I had a precious asset and I wanted to, and it and it got better with it. Say I had like a wine collection and I wanted to tokenize um, shares in my wine collection, which is already happening, like with wine investment clubs and stuff like that. But say I wanted to put it on the blockchain. Um, you know, typically you'd have to insure your 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 assets against you know fire and all the usual things um, in the event that the underlying asset that all your tokenized you know bits are is based on like it's destroyed because there's no otherwise there's no recourse right other everyone could sue you but yeah ensure you're whining against your 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 children for instance like <laughs> raiding the seller um <clears throat> but yeah so i mean i don't know like legally how this necessarily plays out in whatever jurisdiction but you could theoretically do the insurance bit yourself, right? Um, is what I'm saying through a transparent ledger of this nature where you can say like, look, there's this many people betting that I'm protecting like the stash of wine valued at like a billion dollars. There's a billion dollars betting that it's going to be okay. And then there's, you know, some people that are, you know, sh- shorting that or whatever, like, nah, for sure there's going to be fire. <laughs> and maybe that opens up, like, the door to, like, weird uh, game theory problems I haven't considered yet with, like... But that probably already exists in the insurance industry. People are always trying to scam, scam like, insurance and stuff like that, so... Um, but I, 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 I can't help but think that it, it opens the door for more innovative solutions and, in, like, risk management, essentially. Like, tokenizing risk so that's cool yeah that's that's one of those applications i haven't thought a lot about but that's a that's a great use case it definitely opens the door for you to bet your house in a poker game with absolutely no <laughs> friction and lose it immediately <laughs> yeah where's where's stefan when you need <laughs> yeah that's that's why that's why they've like developed this whole like accredited investor class, right? That's ostensibly to protect people from doing really stupid things with their money. But um, we're just gonna have to like figure out other ways to. <laughs> no, that's to prevent. That's to protect the rich people from the poor people doing another Wall Street bets. So Zach, don't. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, playing the long game. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, that's that's a, another that's a separate point, and that's I, I feel like that's a completely valid point. Uh, you know, just re- about regulation in general. But uh, and and I've got my own views on that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dive into those right here. But I will say that even if you are a complete libertarian, uh, a total purist, or a, Along that along that spectrum, there there has to be a place for some kind of rules based system. The question is, who makes those rules? Are they government, or are they or are they a voluntary uh, group of people? So so those so the, the the idea that there are rules, I think, is fair, totally fair. Question is who who is going to make those rules? And in this case, uh, in Shintai's case, uh, it's uh, they're choosing governments. 
And at the moment, it's the government of Singapore is given their, their license for the, the real world asset side. Uh, on the other side, as I mentioned, it's, uh, I believe it's the Bahamas Virgin Islands. Uh, they, they do have a license or they, they, are, they're, uh, they, are, they don't have a license yet. I'm not, they are uh, approaching one or they're attempting one. Uh, but you don't need, and on that side, you won't need to, uh, to log in to identify yourself. You won't, you won't need to KYC on that side. So there, we've got these two, we've got these two ideas coming together. So yeah, it's a regulated, the regulated world is a, is a whole question unto itself. And yet you did, Brandon, you, you did mention a dystopian view of this. <laughs> this isn't, I don't think this is the, the, for, the, the format for that, but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. There is, there's a whole nother view. However, Making money is a is a whole different question. Um, I just really quickly wanted to touch on like the regulation side of things too, because it's really interesting. Like you know, if we if we take the regulatory frameworks that exist generally at face value as um, mechanisms designed to protect people against doing foolish things or um, protect them against. Uh, like predatory behavior by others. Um, like where I live in Minnesota, for instance, I don't know how it is from state to state, but um, there is a there is a way to not carry insurance, like auto insurance in Minnesota. If you have, I can't remember what it is. It's like a, you have to put like $500,000 in a bond or something like that. It's some It's some like ridiculous amount of money. But the point is, you can self-insure essentially by putting up a bond that can be used in the event that you cause bodily harm or damage to property or whatever. Um, so it's almost, and, and I suspect that systems like that exist other places too. It's just that they're usually only accessible to rich people. Um, but I can foresee a scenario where um, if we can again, create markets for risk and kind of change the way insurance works a little bit. Um, there's already, you know, it's like the logic of regulation should yield to um, self-enforcing systems, like systems that are, are already protecting their users and via like really transparent mechanisms that basically produce the same result for probably a fraction of the the amount of like overhead necessary to to operate like traditional insurance or other um, oversight schemes. So, um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting area where I don't think we're necessarily like uh, like regulate. Uh, yeah, I don't want to like opine too much either. But you know, I don't think like that the impulse isn't bad. It's just like we're kind of entering an era where uh, with blockchain and with other technology we can perhaps um like prove uh that we're taking like the same measures as government would require and therefore it wouldn't be necessary in the same way but this is kind of an uncharted well, that, territory that's yeah, one blockchain of the is kind of blockchain is kind of uh it it, it is already quite regulated just 
from the software side. So there's, uh, it's not quite as necessary. Well, it's a matter of opinion, but maybe is not quite as necessary to have um, external regulations on it if there are internal regulations. That's what that makes me think of. Mm-hmm. All right. To speak, well, to speak to Brandon's point, uh, just really uh-huh. quickly, to speak to Brandon's point uh, of of the, the the regulation on the Shintai platform, if you enter uh, on the regulated side, uh, you identify your, your KYC, you identify yourself, uh, and it'll be based on your passport, of course. Either as, as an investor, somebody looking that has tokens that want to invest those tokens, or as an issuer, you have an asset that you'd like to tokenize. Either one, uh, you enter uh, under a set of rules based on your jurisdiction, and the system will not allow you to do anything that you cannot do. So you can't violate the law uh, using their system. So that's a that's an advantage. You don't have to, uh, as far as the transactions goes and everything that happens on the platform, you don't have to, to hire an attorney for that aspect uh, because you can't break the law. The system will not allow you to violate law based on the jurisdiction of your, of your passport. So that's an interesting uh, comparative advantage that Shintai has over anything that I'm aware of. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Shintai's got quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of work behind what they're uh, releasing, and yeah, I, the, the excitement is palpable. That sounds cool, but that means I have to give them my passport, right? Like, do they keep it, or how does that work? And that made no. Go for it. They're I don't empty. think I don't think you give it to them. I think <laughs> yeah. you just provide the uh, the information. You just got to prove that you are who you say you are. Just usual KYC. I mean, that's, we're, we're, we're all saying the same thing. I mean, you say usual KYC, like it's just something to be hand-waved away. But then you see all these companies getting hacked, and then everyone's personal information is stolen. So I don't oh, know. Yeah. Like in my, in my vision of like the ideal crypto world, there, I, I, I get what they're saying. Like you have to prove you're a citizen in order to follow the laws. Like I really do respect and appreciate that aspect where they don't allow you to break your own laws. Like that's cool. But like my vision for the crypto world would be where you don't provide anything like that, um, which you know is increasingly a fairy tale. But um, Zach, I totally, totally agree with you, absolutely, hundred percent. But I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna make money. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. This is yeah, this is enough. something. This is something that is is being. Uh, this is the direction of the most powerful forces on earth. And uh, I, I think uh, it's a it's an opportunity to to leverage that that energy. So I don't necessarily I, I agree with you uh, that it is not the direction that that humanity should be going, but it appears that it's going to happen. So I think that's that should be taken into consideration, just like you would wave. You're not going to stop the ocean. You're not going to stop the waves. But you might be able to ride a few. I mean, there are always like two, uh, two or more currents, like in any sort of like societal sort of uh, 
collision like this with blockchain um the, like many people have taken the the more like underground we're going to just do our own parallel economy scenario and then other people have taken a more uh like how do we interface with the existing um system and i don't think those two sides and like shintai is kind of demonstrating this with their their two sides of what they're doing um although like perry pointed out the one side is it is regulated in the bahamas um or will be um but it's kind of like the recognition that you can't necessarily well you certainly can't do business and escape um like the rules um not for long uh, unless you can change the rules um you're always going to be in that and you know i respect people that kind of take both paths really like um there's a pressure that can be applied on the direction of like the evolution of like human modes of interaction like via both directions right like one is cooperating with existing structures and kind of take the reform approach of like talk some sense into them be like look this is a good thing for for efficiency for you know for transparency and all this stuff and we can can move together and then the other side is kind of a little more radical and pushing for completely different you know um un completely unencumbered you know uh, i don't know what you'd call it like let's free speech let's say like just like viewing monetary uh transfer as as speech um, which I think is also a legit point of view, um, but but not um, conforming to existing laws or rules. But that is invariably like a perilous path, you know, because you're going to encounter all sorts of friction because um, people want you to play by their rules. And I guess at the end of the day, you can kind of understand that people where they live and where they make the rules and to the extent that they have rules that are formed through some sort of process they might deem as legitimate like you can understand why they want you to follow the rules um so it's interesting to watch it kind of all evolve i think crypto is kind of growing up before our very eyes (laughs) yeah yeah i'm i'm excited to see kind of how it shakes out only time will tell I was just going to say, I think there is a happy middle ground. Like instead of having to give a scan of my driver's license or passport to Coinbase and Binance and Bitrix and, you know, voice and whoever else will throw back there. Although we never did that for voice, but instead of having to give like my documents to all those people, I would love to see something where like a paradigm where I go to could be government, could be private. But I go to one entity and they verify my identity and then they give me like a like a proof or a token, but ideally like a, like a zero knowledge proof. And then I can provide that proof to anyone to show to prove things like, yes, I'm a U.S. citizen. Yes, I'm over 21. Yes, I'm over 18. Yes, I live in Virginia, like whatever that is. And not have to actually reveal any information about myself, which, you know, is completely different than the chin pie discussion at this point. I was just curious what guarantees there are that, like, my passport won't be stolen. But I'd love to see that kind of a paradigm where, like, the people doing the KYC are completely independent of the people offering the services. Yeah, shout out to Port. 
by the way, which is able to verify your passport without uh, accessing any personal information. Or verify that you at least have a passport. Yes, a unique passport. Um, to, to your point, Zach, um, I think that's a totally viable solution. It just hasn't been proven out yet. I mean, we know that it's technically possible. But we're also at the bleeding edge of zero knowledge proof, you know, stuff. And it's not exactly like a widely available, but I guarantee you, well, I almost guarantee you that large corporations would rather do that um, to the extent that they're able to, um, so that they don't, they're not liable for like holding customer information that could get hacked. You know, like that's a huge, probably a huge cost saving to them now they might miss out on some information that they could mine like data data they could mine but people give that away for free all the time and other places anyway so um i would think personally that there'd be like an advantage to companies not knowing you know just knowing that you are who you say you are but not knowing anything else because that's a huge liability for them they, they already do that. That's already how it works. It's just not on-chain or decentralized. Like, I worked at an exchange, and I can't say which one until August 28th next year. But I worked at an exchange, and that's exactly what they did. They farmed out all the KYC to someone else. So, like, the exchange operator had no idea. I mean, they knew your name and all that, because you put all that in. But they didn't get your passport scans or your driver's license scans or whatever they collected. I, I don't know what they collected, because that wasn't my job. But... Like, I mean, it went through their website, so in that sense, they got it. But really, they passed all that along to a third party. The third party did the KYC, AML. And then the third party was the one who would have your passport scans in a completely unsecured S3 bucket. And I'm not, I'm not saying that was the case for this exchange, but hypothetically, the third party would be the one who would be responsible if your passport scans were in some unsecured S3 bucket that a security researcher found. And the business had nothing to do with it. So that's already how it works. The only difference is that, you know, I really want it to be on chain and decentralized. So that if I got KYC'd with Coinbase, for example, which was not the exchange, but if I got KYC'd with Coinbase, then I could take that KYC and go to anyone else. And as long as they trust that provider, um, you know, in an ideal world, the provider would be the state of Virginia or the government. But as long as they trust the private provider, then they accept it. And uh, I don't think anyone really disagrees at this point. I'm just like rambling, but that's kind of already how it works. It's just not on chain. Yeah. Totally. Well, this has been a, a very, uh, uh, very, mm, I'm trying to think of the right word. Well, it's, it's been a great conversation. Um, but, uh, at this point, I think there's probably some uh, Pomelo grant owners who have been patiently waiting. Uh, so I, I think we can uh, move on to our next topic. Just uh, uh, real quick. Yes, you should look into port. It basically does um, exactly what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, so we can, we can move on here. Thanks, everyone, for the uh, invigorating conversation. And specifically, thank you, Perry. I invited a few people from Chintai on to see if they could uh, bring some additional light to this. And um, while they were unavailable, uh, understandably, it's 3 a.m. in Singapore. Fortunately, you were here to bring a lot more clarity to that. So thank you.
Well, Brandon is is in the same Telegram group, so thanks to Brandon as, as well. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Brandon, as well. All right. So moving on to the Pomelo Rapid Fire Pitch Sessions. So Pomelo is now officially in its last week of donations for the season. Uh, the application period closes in under 10 hours. Uh, there's still a chance to get your grant, grant applications in. However, submissions close on October 12th at 12 p.m. UTC. So resubmissions will probably not be on the table. So make sure your application, if you're putting it in, is comprehensive and complete. So it should outline the specific non-excludable, meaning free and available to all, non-rivalrous, uh, meaning consumption by one person does not prevent another person from consuming the good. Um, so outline the public good of your grant and make sure to provide somewhere the community can keep up with your work, like a GitHub repo or a website. Uh, this season, we've got more than 100 approved grants, uh, which have collectively raised more than 15,000 EOS in direct donations. Uh, these donations go into the quadratic funding formula and will determine each project's share of the $150,000 matching pool. Uh, the last round of full Pomelo pitch sessions will take place this week. Tomorrow is the last Korean language pitch session on Twitter Spaces at 12 UTC. And then Friday will be the final pitch session in English, also on Twitter Spaces at 1600 UTC. That kind of mangled that word, 1600 UTC. Uh, as well as the Chinese pitch session at 1200 UTC. And that's on Tencent or uh, VOOV meaning, if it's, that's V O O V. Um, for those who are uh, not in China, uh, today we will be hearing from the grant owners of many of these projects in our rapid fire pitch session. Uh, there's no sign up required. If you're here and your grant has been approved, you are invited to pitch your project. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, a little distraction there. Um, if you'd like to join, write your name and the name of your Pomelo grant in the chat. Uh, if I give a thumbs up on your comment, it means I've seen it and you've reserved your spot in line. Uh, feel free to enter that in the chat now. Um, each pitch will be only 30 seconds, hence the name Rapid Fire. Uh, make sure to put a link to your grant in the chat to give everyone a chance to check out your grant and donate. And write down any questions you have, and we can have a proper Q&A session after the pitches. Uh, but we'll save the questions for later. Uh, I will be keeping track of time. Uh, when you have five seconds left, I will trigger the countdown clock sound effect. So you know time's almost up. And then that'll be signal that that your presentation time is over. So I see some some in the chat already. We've got first, uh, oh, let me, I need to communicate that I have seen this one. Thumbs up, there we go. Uh, first up on the list, we've got Dario from EOS Audit. Dario, are you there? Is your microphone working? Yes. Nice. Yep, loud and clear. All right, let me set up this this timer real quick and let me know when you're ready. We're ready. All right, go right ahead. 
Hello EOS Firesight, EOS Audit here, your beacon of transparency in the EOS ecosystem. Our aim is to ensure projects integrity and progress on the EOS blockchain. Rigorous audits, innovative frameworks and community-driven spirit are reshaping EOS. Whether you're a developer, enthusiast or a stakeholder, your support matters. Dominate projects for audit or join us at contact.eosaudit.io. Nice. That was exactly 30 seconds. Great job, Dario. Thank you. All right. Up next on our list, we've got uh, Bishops. Uh, Bishop will be presenting about EOS support and EOS synergy. So those are two separate grants, right? Hopefully Bishop can... Uh, is able to speak. Hey, Andrew. Yes, two yeah, for there me. We go. Okay, cool. Um, so we'll do 30 seconds for the first and then 30 seconds for the second one. Perfect. All right. Let me just reset my timer here. And you can start whenever you're ready. All right. So EOS Support is a multilingual customer support service. And for two years now, we have served as the trusted concierge of the EOS network and its CVM users. Uh, we have provided the community and its businesses with 24-7 assistance in nine different languages. And to onboard new users, we delivered guides and the app overviews with EOS and its CVM and keep the users safe with scam prevention. Still, we continue to actively engage with the EOS community through our ambassadors program, EOS Respect. So thank you for your unwavering support. Great. That was perfect. That was nice. uh, and that was 30 seconds. So, uh, And that was for EOS support. Shout out EOS support. I've been supporting EOS support for quite a while now. They do great work in the community. Um, and uh, Bishop, if you'd like to uh, share your other uh, project, uh, have at it. You... Actually, I need to reset. Oh, I did already reset my clock. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Thank you for your support, Andrew. And next is EOS Synergy, yes. So EOS Synergy gathers influencers who host live shows and events to promote EOS and its content worldwide. So we provide a valuable source of education and guidance for users entering our ecosystem. For our six uh, event hosts, it acts as a collaboration hub. So we help each other create promotional content and exchange ideas on how to better market our shows. Of course, participants are awarded EUS community NFTs, adding the much needed funds to the events. So that's it for your support and your synergy. Thank you, Andrew. Nice. Thank you. That was that was very brief and very well explained, too. Great job. Thanks. Awesome. Let's see what else we got here. Um, I did notice that uh, Lenny shared his grant, if uh, if you'd like, Lenny. Um, you can feel free to speak. I I realize you were, you said earlier you uh, were not going to be speaking, so you didn't need to test your microphone. But just wanted to invite you on. Oh, but uh, I see we've got someone who has officially put their name in, uh, Eugenie, uh, for like EOS Russian speaking EOS community. Uh, you want to. Uh, you're welcome to hop, hop up on stage if you'd like to just check and make sure your microphone's working. Uh, yes, hello. Uh, 
Hey. Awesome. Uh, give me a second here. Okay. So I am ready for you whenever you're ready. And whenever you're ready, you can just uh, get started and I'll start the timer. Uh, okay. Good evening. Uh, for four years, we have been spreading information about EOS in the Russian speaking community. And the Russian speaking internet community. I mean, we translated news, uh, user manuals, articles, reports about EOS, but it, we participating in various online and offline meetings where we spread information about EOS, fight against FUD, and help newbies to understand the EOS blockchain. We have created a website and other social media channels, and we want to continue support EOS uh, in Russian language. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Eugenie. That's great. Thank you. And uh, I was a couple seconds over, but who's counting? I am technically, but it's fine by me. I, I could have cut you off if I wanted to, but I wanted to finish listening to what you had to say. Good stuff. Shout out to everyone with a Pomelo Grant who shared today. Uh, I will be uh, adding all of the Pomelo Grants uh, shared today to a collection along with the other Fireside chats. Uh, and it looks like uh, Lenny feels like he's done enough by pitching in chat. That's great. Uh, I, will, I will say um, you've been doing good work for a long time now. Uh, uh, probably years at this point. So thank you, Lenny, for all your hard work. Much appreciated. And uh, yeah, shout out Pamelo, which I I would do. I'm kind of shouting myself out, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's good times. All right, uh, now I'll open up the floor in case uh, anybody didn't want to write their name in the chat, but uh, does want to share, or if you've got some questions for any of our uh, Pamelo grants. All right. I think with that, we can move on. Uh, so real quick, uh, this is a small topic, but I just wanted to share. This is a, a great video if you get the chance to watch. I or uh, I wasn't watching. I was more listening uh, yesterday, but it's a, a great interview with Eve uh, regarding uh, the future of EOS, but unsurprisingly, also um, correcting some uh, sort of uh, some incorrect information about uh, the past of EOS, about the history of EOS. Um, and uh, this is, it, it's not a huge channel, but it is definitely a great interview. So shout out. Um, oh, uh, actually, it looks like uh, City Mills would like to present. Uh, are you there? I didn't want to uh, cut you off from the uh, from the rapid fire fireside chat pitch session. So, uh, if you are still uh, in the chat and you're able to open up your microphone, feel free. Yeah, good evening from my time zone, guys. 
Am I coming in clear? Yeah, yeah, you're coming in clear. Um, let me just reset this, and then you've got two grants, you said? Yes. Great. So I will, uh, I'm all prepped over here. So whenever you're ready, you can start talking. I'll have 30 seconds for the first one, and then we'll do it again for the second grant. So whenever you're ready. All right, I'm good to go. All right, City, City Racers game is a mobile arcade game and uh, whose aims and objective is uh, to enable users race your way to the top and earn NFT rewards. So on the game, players will be able to buy accessories, cars and accessories using the US EVM token. All right. Excellent. Uh, that, that was 30 seconds right there. Um, so now you're going to have another 30 seconds. If you have other stuff you wanted to say about City Racers, go for it. Or you can uh, talk about uh, EOS Memes was your other grant, right? Yes. All right. Good stuff. Right. I'm, basically, I'm basically done City Racers. Okay. So EOS Memes is a project I came up with some, time, some months ago. And our aim is to promote the EOS blockchain on social media through the use of memes and these memes will be shared across the it will be shared on twitter and also across social media so i think this will help to boost uh, create awareness concerning EOS blockchain excellent yeah great job keeping another 30 seconds for both of those i feel like i'm uh, have a good understanding of, of both of those and uh, they, they will be added to the collection. Thank you. All right. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll move on to our next topic now. Uh, make sure to check out that video. Give some likes and, and, uh, and comments if, if you got anything to say. If there's people spreading FUD and you need a correct them have at it uh but moving on our next topic is uh, the block producer meeting for september so this is uh, an event that happens every single month the top 30 block producers uh meet up with the enf in order to sort of discuss uh, uh various kind of news and and initiatives and stuff like that um among the stuff that was covered in the September BP meeting was uh, updates to Leap 5. A lot of this stuff is stuff that we've shared already, but this is just sort of a little bit of background. Uh, some updates to Leap, Leap 5 and, and what the scope is for that. Um, they also discussed uh, that the EOS network is now carbon negative uh, or climate positive, whichever way you'd like to, to look at it. Um, but the EOS network now offsets more carbon than it consumes, which is uh, honestly not uh, the, the, the reason it's impressive is because the EOS network uses so little power. It's not a crazy amount of money. And that's one of the benefits of, of having such an efficient blockchain is that we're able to uh, offset the entire carbon footprint um, without it being completely ridiculous to do. 
Like if you're trying to offset uh, the carbon footprint of Bitcoin, it would be significant. It would be uh, a lot of Bitcoin would be going to offsetting that. But we're we're in a much better position here. Um, also uh, shared some updates about EOS Labs. Uh, EOS Labs has recently communicated with a total of over a hundred projects, uh, of which twenty two of them are investment related. Uh, four of these investments are uh, in the process of onboarding, but the uh, ENV will uh, disclose the final investment results at the appropriate time. Uh, in addition, the EOCVM mainnet bridge will soon support USDT and other native assets. Uh, in addition, third-party decentralized bridges will also begin connecting EOS and other public chains. So I'm excited to see that. EOS Labs is also cooperating with licensed and compliant institutions uh, such as centralized exchanges, uh, to issue Bitcoin, stablecoins, and other assets on EOS. Uh, labs may also introduce uh, real-world assets in the future, which we've spent some time chatting about today. And then EOS Labs is uh, also contacting more game developers and platforms uh, with a focus on social games. At the same time, EOS Labs is also exploring the Telegram or a Telegram mini app so that users can play games or otherwise use Web3 applications without even leaving Telegram. I'm, I'm excited to see that. Shout out to EOS Labs. And if you'd like to read more about that BP meeting, you can check out this article on the ENF's website. And uh, you can learn, learn more information. All right. Uh, moving on to our... Next topic here, uh, which is Upscale or Eden, but it's called Upscale now, um, as well as EOS Respect, uh, both have done their elections in the past week and a half or so. So shout out to Upscale. Also apologies to Upscale. Um, I meant to join... Um, but then I went and checked, and I had forgotten to register more than 24 hours before. So I was unable to join, which um, honestly, uh, I, I, it meant I didn't wake up at 5 a.m. to participate, which is a little bit disappointing. But to be honest, I didn't mind sleeping in on a Saturday morning. <laughs> um, but, but shout out to the new upscale delegates. We've got um, a loaded list. This time, in the past, we've had uh, two or three delegates. This time, we have 11 delegates. So sh uh, shout out to Sashit, Veronica, uh, Gabriel, uh, Andres, Perry, Melvin, Mo, Patrick, Tran, Vlad, and Head Chief Jong. So shout out to, to all of those uh, upscale members. Um, I'm curious if you have any chief delegates in the house that would like to share their insights or answer questions or anything. I know we have a, a it's a, a pretty packed chief delegate list, so uh, feel free to uh, to hop in. I'll just say it's it's going to be an interesting term. Because a good amount of us did not expect to be chief delegates uh, because of the a little bit of a 
uh, of an unusual situation. Uh, apparently, according to the code, the smart contract that was that was programmed, uh, if there's if there was a uh, certain amount of of individuals attending the election, then everybody that that won at the first level on the first round normally going to level one delegate became chief delegates so it was, there was just one round and all of us became chief delegates so it's a little bit unusual we we didn't expect that now and that includes myself i was not expecting to be a, a chief delegate uh i was only intending to go to one level but uh but there you have it and so we've got 11 of us and uh yeah it's an unusual it'll be an unusual term for that reason yeah, I'm I'm curious. So during its time as Eden, there were terms with only two or three delegates. Now there's 11 delegates. I'm curious what effect do you think this will have on meetings and other collaborative activities? Well, that's a very good question. That's a very good question. In the last uh, two terms, there's been a great reduction in the turnout as well as the participation in the meetings. And I know that because I was in most of the meetings. Uh, so uh, are, how is that going to affect this term and, and the actual workgroup meetings? I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it's changed much in the, in the very few that we've had so far this week, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big experiment that we're part of, and we're all learning. Uh, so that's, that's where it's going. It's just a, it's just a big learning experience. I'm translating my learning experience into tools. That's, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm taking this experience and I'm trying to figure out what are the pain points, what's needed. And I'm, I'm trying to manifest that in my, my dnews.zone offerings which uh, which we I believe you'll you'll all see fairly soon. I'll I'll be able to release those, uh, but uh, it's all very exciting for me, and I hope I hope that you guys share that in the, when I do announce them in the future. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's it's interesting for sure. I remember reading in the. Uh, original white paper, I think, um, how it outlined that um, basically you needed a minimum of 12 people in order to get a round going. And so that meant that there was a theoretical maximum of 11 people who could potentially uh, be in a room together. Uh, and I was, uh, that was assumed to be a, an extreme edge case, but hey, here we are. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see. It's a different social dynamic when you have three people versus 12 people in a room. So, uh, yeah. Uh, in addition to the upscale uh, elections, there was also uh, EOS support has their own sort of elections in that style, uh, which are the EOS respect elections. Um, and they held their election last week, actually on Tuesday. And we've got some new chief delegates in uh, EOS Respect. Uh, we've got Dario, who is in the chat right here, and actually just posted a great, uh, a great article here. This 
I think is the same article that I was going to share. So <laughs> that's perfect. I Yep, that's the same one. Um, so uh, yeah, we've got new chief delegates, Dario. Uh, we got Wilfred, we got Yuan, and uh, the new head chief, Haza, are taking the reins of EOS Respect. And as Dario mentioned, uh, EOS Respect punches, uh, publishes a monthly report on the progress of the projects they fund. And most projects have been delivering on their goals. So you can see the details. Oh, I was just about to copy paste, forgot that Dario already posted those. So the article that Dario posted right there is. Uh, Great one to follow if you're interested in learning more. Um, very impressive work from uh, both EOS Respect as an organization as well as the auditing process. So shout out. Uh, Dario, you're welcome to hop up and uh, talk about uh, the EOS Respect election um, if you like. Yeah, I can say a few words um, when you uh, click on that link. Um, in the first chart, you can uh, track delegate promises and whether they've been upheld. And then it also is like uh, Excel export uh, attached or linked, which provides a comprehensive breakdown. Um, then uh, we have a second charts, displays the numbers of donations made by delegates to the projects. There also is an export. Excel export, which uh, reveals all the nitty gritty details. And then we also have like a overview, like a chart showcase uh, the delegate performance, including, including how effectively they track donations and maintain communication with supported projects. Um, yeah, and then uh, you also can see like, um, yeah, how how many of the affiliated projects or partner projects actually received some funds? Um, and then we also have some uh, statistics, um, just like the top categories. How like how many EOS and USD donate were donated per category? We took the categories from Pomelo. Um, and also the top five, 15 per projects which received the most funds and also a statistic um, from how many donations um, the projects delivered uh, on their promise. Yeah, that's about it. That's cool. I'm curious, what is the process for determining the success level of a given initiative? Um, the, de the delegates, they have the duty after the, or like actually before they donate, they should reach out to the project and make sure, um, yeah, that, uh, how they want to spend the funds or what they plan. And then after the donation, this mostly one month later, uh, they're going to reach out and then, uh, they going to, um, demand, um, a report. It's very simple at the moment because you can see it's not a lot of funding right now. Um, and then they just, uh, report, yeah, what they, what they've done with that funds and then, uh, the delegates write that down and then we have like a check and balance in place, uh, from, uh, US support project managers, which then just control uh, these entries. And if something is not enough, like try to 
Um, yeah, I work with the delegates together that they can um, um, yeah, ask for, 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 for or write it better so it can be understood. Um, and also if there is a project which is not um, delivering like the information they need, um, then the process would be like that we delist that project and it would drop out from EOS respect and no longer receive any funding. That seems like a good process. Seems like uh, there's multiple eyes looking at it, which I think is a really important thing. That's that's very cool. For well, it it for sure can also be improved if there ever would be like more funding. Yeah, there can be a like or more quality could be added, let's say, uh, in all the check and balances or or reports or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's let's hope that that is uh, that is the the biggest issue that uh, uh, that we have to deal with. Too much funding. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Daria. I appreciate you uh, uh, answering my questions and and uh, giving a little bit more context to that. For the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think we move on to the next topic here. Uh, just got a couple more, a couple more topics. This one's pretty quick. Just wanted to uh, let everyone know in case they're not, haven't been keeping up with NutraSwap. Uh, but NutraSwap is an automated market maker and a, a launch pad running on the EOCVM. It was one of the first projects to utilize the EOCVM. And it has achieved an impressive collection of milestones, uh, among which the smart contract is audited and it is live on EOCVM. You can go check it out at app.nutraswap.io. That's this link I just posted here. Um, they launched the NutroSwap farm. Uh, they burned 98% of the Neutro token supply, which is, uh, that's, a, that's a big number. That's almost 100. Uh, they also launched the Neutro Vault. They reached $1.5 million in peak TVL. And they were also listed on DeFi Llama, CoinGecko, CoinMarketCap, and DBank. In addition to their partnership with EVM NS Space. So that's the, uh, the uh, EVM name service. So shout out there. Sorry, that was a little loud. Kind of surprised me, and I actually hit it. So apologize for that. <laughs> Uh, anything on NutraSwap? Anyone want to share share their experiences? All right. I'm going to move on to our last topic here, which is um, probably going to be a review for a lot of people, but uh, with, uh, this last topic is EOS Monthly Report. Uh, here at the Fireside Chat, we try and keep you updated on the most recent happenings in the EOS world. If you've been out of the loop this past month, though, like I was for the month of August, and you enjoy using your eyes to read words, uh, you can get a summary of the most important developments in September's EOS monthly report. So topics include uh, some EOCVM announcements, including the EOCVM roadmap unveiling, the EOCVM being released as code complete, and that's version 0.6. Uh, we've got Plays app coming to the EOCVM, 
and a trustless USDT bridge with EOS EVM version 0.6.0. So shout out to that. Uh, very excited to see that. Uh, we've also got in the monthly report uh, one year of EOS independence. That also happened this past September, uh, as well as the EOS network's vision for an interoperable future. Uh, we've got sustainability beyond carbon neutral to climate positive. Uh, Pomelo Season 7, which is still underway, um, but started back in September. Uh, we got a September Programs and Operations Health Report. And we got some online events, including Getting Started with Wharf, which I am still excited to watch. We got a GameFi panel, um, and then an AMA with the aforementioned EVMNS, the EVM name service. So shout out to them. Uh, we've also got Eve in Asia uh, for Korea Blockchain Week, as well as Token 49. We've got some tutorials from the ENF DevRel team as developer relations, including building a Tamagotchi app, which I still haven't done, as well as building a To Don't app, which I also have not done. But I am actually probably going to build the Tamagotchi app when I have an opportunity, when I'm not preparing for a fireside chat, for example. Um, and also, one thing I'd like to mention in honor of Patrick is the Antelope Swiss Workshops, which are uh, highlighted in that monthly report. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, you can read more at, uh, no, I'm not going to say it's, it's a long link, esnetwork.com slash blog slash, okay, you can read it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, shout out to the monthly report. Um, so that'll do it for our topics today. Um, at this point, I'll open it up. If you have some thoughts about the monthly report, um, do this, and then we'll probably wrap up. I'm always tempted to do these DJ moves. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining today. This has been a great fireside chat, invigorating conversation, and uh, I feel like I learned a lot. So until next week, uh, where I will again be hosting, but that will be my last time hosting uh, for the in, in the short term here, um, we will finally have Stefan back to bring your regularly scheduled uh, fireside hype. Uh, and with that, I think we can, uh, we can sign off. So if you guys want to join me for a quick go, yes, that's a three, two, one, go, yo, 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 go,